everybody here is going to be a big fan of The View. Uh, I, know, I know Bill's a big fan of The View, uh, and Scott <laughs> might, might even rival him in that. But this is going to be a show of The View on The View. So um, I, I, I tuned in. Um, I, I shouldn't even say that I tuned in. Man. I, I caught wind of it. Uh, I'm digging my own grave here, guys. I'm digging my it own travels grave. travels on the wind does that, now. Does that, does that mean you were downwind of it? Uh, man, and, and you don't want to be downwind of it. No, man. I wouldn't imagine I would. Yeah, no, make, make sure you got some spray. Um, but what was it? What's uh, what, what's that witch's name? Uh, Sun. Well, they're all witches. I Which guess witch? doesn't narrow it down much. Um, Sonny Hostin uh, said that Jesus would and i talked about this before in uh, uh in the zopium den in my in my bible study uh but i'm gonna bring it up with you guys you know because uh I'd, I'd love to hear what you got to say about it um sonny hostin says that jesus would grand marshal um a gay pride parade hmm. and i guess her co-host also uh, accuses um namely us christians of weaponizing religion so you know i yeah i, I gotta tell you man i it's it's a crack up. It's a, it's like one of those sad kind of crack up things when when I hear people like take such liberties, you know, with uh uh with who Jesus is, you know, uh uh it's like do you, do you actually do you come up with your own ideas? And it's a rhetorical question, of course you do. Uh, you just come up with your own ideas of Jesus. Why do you lean on Jesus to give authority to what it is that you believe when you don't even really believe in him? In fact, and hate him, hate the entire idea of Christianity, yeah. and put it down as often as you possibly can. Thank well, you. she's got she's got biblical uh, grounds, though, doesn't? Isn't it say, "Suffer the children to come unto me"? Right? I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, I think but, she, I think she read that wrong. But okay, so so look, what there, there's a word that you don't hear very often anymore. You you often hear the word profanity, but you don't often hear the word profane. Mm -hmm. And and when you see like those drag queens, you know, just strolling down the aisles of some really together church, you know, and snapping their fingers over their heads and, you know, doing the whole thing in church, it's like, that's profane. Mm -hmm. And it's not even profane because they're trans. It's profane because it's profane. If that had been a straight woman doing that, it'd still be profane. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no there's no respect and come and 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 mutual fundamental mutual respect is what makes a a, a society function i can in a perfect world, you, you can respect people who you completely disagree with. You can respect people who who you're actively opposing, you know, politically. But but this kind of thing, uh, Zoe and I did a virtue signal about this. These two women that were talking about how badly they wanted to do a living live stream of of this woman getting an abortion. Mm -hmm. It's like it's profane. It's everybody knows it's wrong. You can feel it in the atoms in your body that there's something wrong here, and they don't have that. Uh, uh, awareness. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, not only does the Lord say, you know, in his commandments, don't take my name in vain. He also says repeatedly, do not profane my name. So don't be don't be dragging my name to assume to give authority or some sort of validity of the sins that you want to do. You know, sometimes people think that taking God's name is name in vain is just saying, you know, God, you know, dang it. You know, it's like, don't, don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's like, actually, no, it's 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 more than that. It's it's drawing on his name to justify sinning against other people or sinning against him. You know, so it's, that's what these women are doing. And um, so, and, and to say that he would be the grand marshal 
at a gay pride parade. It's like, did you hear what happened to Sodom? You know, they had a lot of gay pride parades at Sodom and Gomorrah too. And uh, and then the Lord rained fire on that parade. So I was like, I don't know where you guys get this from. And anybody who draws on the name of Christ or assumes to be a Christian or some sort of authority, you got to understand that, well, Jesus, that and, and God in the Old Testament, that mean old God that you guys try to say there's a different. No, they're the same person. Anybody who thinks that God has this bad temper in the Old Testament, they haven't read the New Testament because Jesus in the New Testament, when he comes back and regulates on things, he's going to make God in the Old Testament look like he was in a really good mood. You know, so it's like they haven't read the whole thing. I don't know where they get this stuff from. And then, and then uh, but but Scott, I mean, what do you think? Why? Why? Why do they draw on people like Jesus to give validity to their argument when they try to say that all these religions and stuff are the same and it's all talking about the same God? But why do they zero in on Jesus rather than? You know, uh, Allah or or his messenger Muhammad or or or, or Buddha or, or or anything like that or Vishnu or why 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 Jesus? Well, it's a it's a talk show and they're trying to be provocative. And so, how can you be the most provocative? You've got to find somebody. Uh, there's a saying in when you're trying to create a movement around something that one of the effective ways to create a movement is to help people to throw rocks at their enemies. And so, you need to provide the rocks uh, and the and the targeting for them to throw rocks at their enemies. So they want to draw out people like us, frankly, and get us to engage in this kind of debate. I will, uh, I'll say this, a couple of things. Number one, um, what Bill describes as, a, you know, it would be profane, not just for a, uh, a what we used to call drag queen to dance down the aisle at church, uh, but for anybody to do that. And the, the fundamental there is that if you are going to the, with the body of Christ and wanting to listen to what God has to say and to offer praise to him, and your instinct is to say, look at me, uh, then yep. you've got a problem that that's mm-hmm. idolatry. That is yes. saying, look at the man, look at the creature rather than the creator. Um, so it's it's a distortion to think, to say something like, well, God loves me for who I am, rather than to say, well, God loves me just as I am, uh, in spite of who I am. In fact, he doesn't overlook my sin. He he propitiates it. He turns the smile of God to you when you previously you only received the frown of God. And he makes it so that that sin has been removed from you. Not that he says, hey, that's okay. It's not such a bad sin. It, you know, you just love somebody who is not uh, listed among the acceptable people to love in the Bible, but we're just going to overlook that. He doesn't overlook it. He says, mm-hmm. I'm going to, God says, I'm going to treat my own son as I would treat somebody who had breached my law and we're going to lay the punishment on him and by his punishment, you are healed and made acceptable to God. By his sacrifice, the smile of God turns to you. That's a fancy word uh, that I mentioned called propitiation. So that's a whole distortion there. But one of the things I would say, Zoe, and this is not in conflict with what you said, but it's an expansion upon what you said, Jesus wouldn't be the grand marshal of the gay parade. Jesus would go to it. 
Jesus would be in the crowd at the grand at the gay parade. Jesus would be meeting people. Jesus would be speaking with people. He'd be asking them questions that would be designed to help them see the 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 failure within them and to see the solution to that failure in him. And so that's why, you know, Jesus was constantly being accused of hanging out with drunkards and tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and you know, that that was who Jesus was. He would much rather be there than just be teaching in the temple to to people who had already come to faith in him. He would rather be out there looking for the one lost sheep rather than just tending the 99 who remained in the fold. And uh, and yeah. that is what attracted a filthy scumbag like me to the creator of the universe. Absolutely, yeah, he's man. not. He's not on a. He's not on the front of the float, you know, twirling his baton. Right. There, there's, there's a, there's a, 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 another explanation for this completely non-theological explanation, and it's and it's one that people with weak arguments go to all the time. So, there are a number of logical fallacies, and you can train yourself to look for them. An ad hominem attack, where you attack the person who's making the case rather than the case, means you've got no rebuttal to the case. Yeah. Straw man arguments got no rebuttal to the case. Uh, reducio ad absurdum, where you basically take it and. and all the way down the line until it becomes ridiculous. That's also it. One of the most common ones is called appeal to authority. And that's what this is. Mm. It's an appeal to authority. Usually the authority they appeal to is science, right? <laughs> is, is science. That's who they usually uh, trot out. What, what they usually trot out. Well, science says, and so therefore I'm right. And, and first of all, they don't understand what science mm. is. Secondly, they don't understand the science. And third, they're not right. But, but this is essentially an appeal to authority. And what it's basically doing, Scott's right about it being a provocation. No yeah. question. And it, and it's, and it's, it's good for shock value. And, and, and that's what these harpies subsist on. But nevertheless, it is, it is trying to say that the people that oppose them, their own leader would be on their side, not on your side. Yeah. Therefore, uh, you've got no uh, ground to stand on. They should Indeed, go. And, and so I'll, they should I, say, I to... if Jesus existed, he would be the the grand marshal. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, yeah, I, I would go for that. And, and you know, and, and I think people they, they take a lot of liberties, you know, with uh, this all accepting, you know, hippie Jesus who would be a grand marshal at, at a gay pride parade. You know, because they do like to lean on the verse. Well, didn't Jesus, you know, sit with prostitutes and drunkards and see, didn't they come to his table? It's like, yeah, uh, but you, they always leave out the part where Jesus called them sick. And, and, and he, so, he wasn't partying yeah, with them, you know, he wasn't people. knocking back bruise with his feet on the table, you know, right. with with some hot chick on his lap. It's not like he was there for the for the sin of it. Right, right. He wasn't. There. And, and, and these are people just like uh, just like Scott said, they accepted the frown of God. Right. It's like, yes, they, they, they came to him because, you know what, Jesus, we accept that we got a problem. We accept that we're sinners. They didn't come to his table to be accepted. They came to his table to be changed and healed. And so he's like, hey, well, have a seat, man. Pull up a chair. Let's go ahead and get to talking about why I have the authority to do this. Not just that I have the authority. Do you actually understand who I am? I am. So that's that's, you know, why they're coming to him. And Jesus well, they also all didn't says, just come to him, Zoe, but a lot of them, he went to them. And, he and went I think to that's, them, exactly. That's the thing we miss. We sit in our little stained glass boxes and think that somebody is going to walk in our doors. And we literally have a phrase that said, well, there's the kind of guy who would never darken the door of a church. 
Like, uh, these are the we're we're the people who want those people to come to church, and we think that our outreach is to maybe occasionally drop a leaflet somewhere or casually invite somebody to church. When Jesus was going to the party, where Indeed. the people who were known to be sinners by the pagan culture. Mm-hmm. He was going to them and he was asking them questions. And he and, and when he said, uh, you know, to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, after he first chased away all the hypocrites by saying, hey, which one of you is without sin? Then he says to her, go and sin no more. And, yeah, and he gives it. her the right. power to do so. Yes. There's, you know, you, one of the things that these people seem to have in common, when I say these people, I mean like the, the progressives, is that they seem to be really unhappy people. Mm. (laughs) First of all, their philosophy never, they can never achieve their philosophy, right? If they ever got what they consider to be complete racial and economic justice, they'd be out of a job. So, so they're, 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 they're attracted to that philosophy because of that victimhood thing. But I've never heard the term used before, before you guys use it, the frown of God, you know, I think, I think that's, what it is. I think these are people who feel like to whatever degree they they were at one time religious, they feel like God has frowned upon them. And so, you know, now it's time to get even. When I was doing a sketch comedy show in, in Florida back in 95, 96, we used to, it was a weird show, but it was a lot of fun. And we just like to take normal situations and just push them. And, and one of my favorites was with a guy named Ron Smith who died of cancer a few years ago. I miss him very much. Brilliant guy. And and it was a very simple sketch. It's a guy in Florida. He's playing in the rain. He's he's got he's got like a, a foot and a half putt, right? He's up on a hill kind of thing. He's got a foot and a half putt. He makes the putt and the ball goes right around the hole. You know, just, just one of these. And he looks at it for a second and then he raises his fist to the sky and he goes, eternal enemies, eternal enemies, you and I, you know, and just does this entire rant how, you know, he does one of those um, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan, Dan rants speeches, about, that's know, right. yeah, he was like, this is what you have toys. <laughs> and it's like, you know, maybe it's not about you. You know, maybe it's not about you. And, and maybe you just missed the putt. And maybe there's a reason beyond missing the putt that you missed the putt. So I, I've always liked that kind of, that kind of, that kind of facing the frown of God over things that seem to be very trivial and, and not just the frown of God, but the frown of dad too. Every time I run into a real progressive, somebody really filled with this burning, burning hatred for just about everybody, especially Christians and especially the patriarchy, I always just want to say, I'm not going to talk about politics. Tell me about your dad. That's all I want to say. And uh, and usually that will uh, give you a big clue. And yeah. I think we should we should be sensitive to that in the sense that we should know that's where people are coming from. And so when you hear them railing an like that, there's an instinct. Um, it's not just in conservatives, but in most people, there's an instinct when your beliefs are attacked to fight back. Um, and what I've tried to train myself in, in a disciplined way for years and years is to say, if somebody is reacting harshly to me, something's wrong with them. They're hurt. Mm-hmm. They're angry. There's something going on in them that is causing this harsh reaction because in most cases anyway, I don't go out of my way to offend people. I'm not trying to be provocative in normal conversations. So so if they're reacting in a way as if I had just taken a swing at them, I'm just wondering 
okay, well, what's going on there? And to turn that conversation and uh, and say something like, you know, I can understand how hard it is to imagine that there's a heavenly father, especially in my situation where my earthly father ran away from home. You know, that mm. I, I can I can certainly connect with that. And it makes you think, well, if that guy ran away from home, you know, well, how am I to imagine uh, what a father is like who stays and sticks and loves and forgives despite whatever you are and whatever you've done. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of how you turn that. Like the view, I think, offers us a beautiful opportunity to not just say, as we have already, you know, hey, these crazy witches, uh, but to be able to say, hey, why did that come up? Why, in fact, would somebody who doesn't really believe use Jesus as an authority figure? Why is that so deep in the culture that people would use that as a continual example of, essentially, it's the Christian wristband of what would Jesus do, WWJD? Why are they always asking that question? Was he just a teacher and political leader and a nice guy who loved people? Or was there something more? Because they didn't nail him on the cross for saying you should love one another. I think we might have a bad Skype connection because I didn't say witches. No, no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I did. uh, so, oh, you're uh, saying there was a different letter at the beginning of that word? No, it just sounded. It's just I, you know, it's just a sound like kind of thing. Yeah. And I had a wonderful point too, and I just I'm blew sorry. it. Um, that'll come to me in in the third episode. The key no is doubt. that it was a wonderful. Oh, no, no, I remember. I remember. I remember. Um, when you see, we see, you see these Karen meltdowns, right? <laughs> We all know what we're talking about when we see a Karen meltdown, right? Screaming at the top of their lungs and then somebody, you know, the police come and then they start shrieking that they're being raped, this kind of thing. That person never has a good day. No. You can just tell, right? This, whatever happened at the, at the Quiznos or wherever they happen to be, right? Whatever happened there was enough to push them into, you know, this acting out, but those people never have a good day. They are, they are, it's basically going to what you were saying, Scott, you know, they're, they're very troubled people and they're right there the whole time and just a little tiny little thing puts them over the top. And, and that is a, um, that's a tough, that's a tough, uh, Thing to cure. Her well, and it's also tough people. for us to dial back our our outrage at them. Oh yeah, because I just want to rocket launch because see these what Zoe said earlier is true. Like if Jesus were standing there, he would say, "Karen is sick. You don't get mad at sick people. You you try to heal them. You know, like can I just slap her once? Can I just <laughs> once? <laughs> it's like, like that episode of Airplane. Can we just get in a line and just? <laughs> Karen needs help." And if you react to a sick person, if, you know, if you walk into a hospital and you say, hey, man, I just heard, what are you doing here in the hospital bed? And your friend said, oh, I've got pancreatic cancer. And you said, you freaking Nazi, you loser, you, you know, you're ruining this country. If you attack that person, then you're sick. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and, like, you know, and, and, and the Lord's approach to it is this like, look, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know in the kindest way that I can uh, that you're sick. And I need you to go and report to these people and let them know, say, hey, uh, I got the truth for you. Do you want it or not? And she's like, look, if they don't want it, dust off your sandals, ease on down the road. I will deal with them later. And you don't want to deal with Jesus later. 
you know, take his kindness now. It's like, look, man, I got a prescription for you. Do you want it? Now, at that point, if a person is, you know, they, they got a, a drinking issue or a drug habit or something like that, yes, they are sick. And if you end up in the hospital once, twice, at some point you'd be like, hey, dude, you're being an idiot. <laughs> it's like it's it's, it's time to take the niceties off and let you know, uh, dude, I'm here with some tough love for you now. You're an idiot. Knock it that, off. That shake the dust off your sandals instruction is is what Jesus said to his uh, immediate followers during his uh, days on earth. However, you see how Paul interpreted it. I'll dust the the uh, the the dust off my sandals. I'll shake the dust off my sandals mm. after they s drag me out of town and stone me and leave me for dead. Then I'll go, hey, maybe I should move on. So that Jesus wasn't saying, hey, don't make a good effort at this. If somebody immediately rebuffs you, then get out of town. Um, the way his followers interpreted that was, you do everything you can. You be all things to all people. You walk into the courtyard of pagan gods and start talking about the one true God until they drag you out of town and beat you with sticks and stones. Then you may want to go, hey, okay, maybe there's another town. <laughs> and the and the 12 step programs that, that are intentionally uh intentionally non-religious in terms of name and names. Uh, those programs are effective for people who are in real pain. And the, the, essential, the essential dynamic of the 12 steps is you have, to, you have to believe in a higher power. You can define it any way you want to because a lot of people are so angry at God or they're so angry at everything that, you know, I remember saying, well, you know, a higher power, you know, he said, do you believe in, do you believe Pacific, waves coming in on the Pacific are more powerful than you are? I said, yeah. I said, we'll use that for now. <laughs> but but basically what, what you have to do is you have to understand, you have to get yourself out of the center of the universe, right? And, and you have to, you have to, you cannot go through a 12-step program without this. You have to basically give it up, hand it over and, and let somebody uh, who's got more uh, skill and power than you do handle it and and if you don't have that and and these women certainly don't seem to have that mm. then then you become neurotic and you begin to think that everything that that is bad happens because of something somebody else did or or or, or something that I didn't do to stop it and 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 now you're the center of the universe and the narcissism I think is ultimately the 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 main disease here. Indeed, man. And, and yeah, we we, we want to be relentless in our pursuit, but the Lord also said, hey, don't cast your pearls before pigs. And if a person decides that they don't want to get it, we're supposed to be his army. You know, we got a helmet, we got a breastplate, we got a sword of truth, and we're supposed to work together. So if this person isn't getting it from what I've told, it's not, it's not incumbent on me to keep trying to press on this person. We're an army. So I come in with the first wave and then they're going to be exposed to another wave and exposed to another wave. So it's like we, sh we should be shown that we're a, an army and a family, that this is the thing that they want. They, they want to be involved with this. Come in and make the compelling case. And like the Lord says, like, look, if they don't get it, it's not on you to just stay on them. You, you, it's, it's like, it's, it's almost like thinking that a person can, can go in and, and take on a whole thing on their own. It's like, I mean, we're supposed to be working as a team. So I'll come in with my message. And then somebody needs to follow through with that message to show that there's a sense of consistency. And I think a lot of times, even, even in a church, there's, there's, there's a lack of that. And, and a lot of people like look to other things because they see a sense of kindness or family and some other things. But with the Christian church, they kind of have this bubble, you know, and, and it's like it's not the thing to be able to say I can take and I can change this person on my own. There's supposed to be an army of us that they can see before them and be like, wow, man, I, I want to be a part of that.
Well, and the way that that so-called warfare, and I, I, I'm always, I know the Bible uses the analogy of the full armor of God and things like that, but sometimes I think in current culture, as soon as you trot out that army thing, they go, oh, you on the right, you're always so militant. Um, <laughs> and, and so they need deeper context for understanding what that meant. But, you know, the actions of people, not only people who believe in Christ, but people who say they're conservatives or people who say they're Republicans, if your actions don't follow and if the way mm. you treat people don't, doesn't match what you say you believe, these principles that of, of, of kindness and justice and, uh, and truth, um, if you're not at home in your own ideas enough to be able to take the slings and arrows yep. of outrageous right. fortune and and people on the view, um, then that sends a signal to people. I mean, as as militant as Jesus may have been, to his last breath, he was praying for the people who had nailed him to the cross. He was saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if you can go in with that attitude, that when some harpy, as Bill said, uh, <laughs> kicks you in the groin. I think it's a shrieking harpy, but go on. If, if some shrieking harpy kicks you in the groin, if you can look at her and say, is your foot okay? <laughs> then you have basically said, look, what you do to me is not important. It's what's happening within you that's important. It's what that that how that plays out in the rest of your life. Are you really happy with where you're going? Has has your current recipe for life been successful at making the kind of cake that you find delicious, or do you find that you're constantly having to put new ingredients in it because it's still bitter? You've just made the strongest intellectual case for the divinity of Jesus I've ever heard because if Joy Bahar were to kick me between the legs, my first words would not be, is your foot okay? Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not my first response. And um, and you, you have to be a much better person than I am to, to be in that. Well you place. have to be king of the universe and you're not. <laughs> now let's not let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so the worst insult that Bill has ever endured. Um, <laughs> so, so any any final thoughts on on this? What I think was a terrific topic on relatively short notice. Oh man, uh, just just like what we were talking about. It's this taking Jesus and us making an assumption about who, basically engraving an image of him, right? Which he says to not do. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, it's it's you have uh, people who are going to have. You know, different perspectives on Jesus. And and one of the things that you want to do to offset that is actually read his word. Read who he is. You know, this is who I've always been. And even though you may have read it once, that's, you know, life is a lifelong study. My word is life. You read it for the rest of your life. It's not one of those things, okay, I've read it and I'm done. No, you keep on reading it. Uh, so it is our manual for life. And that's just not something that they're doing. So, um, I know that there's people out there who want to know about this. They want Jesus presented to them as somebody who just loves, who loves and accepts, right? That's the Jesus that I want to follow, the Jesus who loves and accepts. Jesus is not all accepting and he's not all loving in the way that you think. Jesus is actually very conditional, Right. There's a condition. You want my forgiveness? Well, you have to repent. There's a condition for that. Um, you know, even when, you know, people bring the woman to him to be stoned and he tells her, don't go sin anymore. Jesus doesn't just 
it's not a point of just accepting this acceptance aspect of, of Jesus. Accepting Jesus is learning about who he is. And these people, they had an idea of, of he made it to where these people had an idea of what to look for. Even with the woman that they brought to him, he kneels down and he starts writing with his finger. It's like, why did he zero in on that? It's like, man, the reason why I'm writing with my finger is because this is how the law was given to Moses by the finger of God. So they pick up on things like this and say, hey, man, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's going on here. I'm recognizing something here. So in that, you got to be able to accept that Jesus is qualified. He's always been here to be qualified to make a judgment. I didn't come here to judge. I came here to love you, but I'll judge if I have to. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to have to. And that, y'all, that is a deep, deep love to rescue us from people who decide that, hey, I want to do things on my own terms. I want I don't want to obey you. I want to call on your name and use you for validity in what I believe. Sure. And I want to present you as all accepting and all loving and stuff like that. But I don't particularly want to obey you. And Jesus himself says, look, you guys will be calling on me. You'll be talking about how you prayed in my name and cast out demons and stuff like that. And I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. You're talking about you casted out demons. You can't even cast out your own demons. So, you know, these kinds of things, you know, we want to be able to take into the culture. I wouldn't go on The View a bunch of times. I wouldn't do it because, well, I don't want to help out their ratings. But there should be, you know, that presentation of like, yeah, Jesus is love. But what you guys are trying to define as love, that ain't love at all.